This will be the last episode for a while, at least a week, regarding religion being a part of an episode. I need to take a week break from it because now that I have fully formulated my views on religion and how I was impacted by religion, various people in various ways. This is for right now the final curtain call when it comes to the subject of religion as a whole. Uh, I'll be going back on the subject next week. I'll be uh, making sure that I bring up the good things that are happening in church, the good things that are happening in religion, and the good things that are happening that many faith-based persons are doing, and how religion has been a blessing to many people, many people who are common people, everyday people, including people who have been tossed aside by the society that um, that they live in. So let me get this show on the road. I grew up in a culture where I was around older black people quite frequently, quite often. And I saw things that truly cut my soul. When I was in church, whenever the subject of corporal punishment I'll give layman's terms examples. Whoopings and spankings to kids, right? I saw a lot of the black parishioners stand, applaud, put their fists in the air, and egg on what the preacher, the pastor, the minister was saying. Whoop these kids so they can be straightened out and fly right. Is an example I remember. That's right, Pastor. Set him straight with that belt. Tired of them acting out and acting up. They gonna, they show out where they get played out. I'm, we old school. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a source of pride for them. That's a source of trauma for me. I was a child when I witnessed that. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that in church, especially churches that had predominantly black congregational audiences within them. I, I was whooped and, and spanked, oh God, by... evil spirits that that inhabited black adult female bodies. And they used the belt in their hands. So whenever they Uh, Oh, my God. Oh, fuck. Shit. (sighs) Ah. Had to take a breather. Whenever they mention the subject of corporal punishment, I couldn't help but to think of the you-know-what. And I remember... Outside of church, being around older black people, most of them self-identified Christians, 
Whenever they would have their conversations, for some reason they liked me hanging around, I would actually try my best to leave. I would, and I would get up to like, where are you going? We want to spend time with you some more. I looked them in the eye. Seriously, I said, y'all say stay out of grown folk business. I'm doing what you told me to do. And I would try to walk off and hang with the kids and they would go, wait, wait. Um, we, let's talk about this. Um, I could tell that we, we hurt your feelings. I want to make it up to you. Um, we, we respect that you're a kid. Um, we respect you, um, we should not have said that without explaining what was meant and felt. They said, um, you, are so incredible that we don't mind talking to you about how you truly feel and helping us understand things because to be honest, we just say things, but we don't really know what we're talking about. Um, that a grown folk business means that tends to be said towards kids who are, um, who have a habit of being disrespectful. Um, that's what we meant when we said that. But when it comes to you, we would never say or do anything that is out to hurt you. We're sorry for saying things that should not be even said around you or to you. Um, here's my thoughts on what they said. As a kid, I just accepted and I look back on it and say, be careful what you talk about when children are around. If you're going to talk about sex, gossip, um, reality TV and politics, religion. Make sure kids are not around. Make sure kids can't hear you. I remember being at my aunt's and uncle's houses. Uncle's more than aunt's, I'll tell you the truth. I remember having cousins that would run up the stairs, my younger cousins. And you could hear a loud motherfucker from upstairs because that was the place where grown folks conducted grown folk business conversation. Pretty much X-rated, rated R conversations about anything and everything, including... Things that have happened to people that they know. They may have died. They may still be around. And I would, and this is how I honestly felt as a kid, I would put my hands on my face, covering my whole head, burying my forehead, my eyes, my nose, and my hands, and and I would... say to myself inaudibly, I can't believe I'm related to these motherfuckers. Because they should not have been talking that way, knowing that you got my younger cousins downstairs. I have a memory. One time, one of my uncles 
said the word bullshit out loud. That's typically how older black people say that word. And one of my younger cousins, that same younger cousin said to his dad, watch your mouth. My dad was in the room. My aunt was in the room. And none of them said anything. I saw the whole thing. I was in my aunt's house at the time. And I was in the living room where my aunt would have us watch the unsung TV show. It's a TV series that is popular among predominantly black audiences, showcasing one hit wonders and people who used to be megastars, but drug addiction, sexual recklessness, gambling, theft, financial issues, and um, alcoholism destroyed their careers and what they were doing musically pissed off many fans and that's why they're not big anymore. They're big among people of that time, but they're not big anymore people of our time, right? So that was a memory that those memories hurt. I remember um, having an aunt in particular and her mother um, smoking cigarettes upstairs. I would see it. I had an aunt who would watch. She would get the cigarettes from the upstairs kitchen counter. Look like I would say Marlboro cigarettes. I remember seeing that brand a lot. And she would just be puffing away. Uh, the sliding door on the where they would have uh, a balcony kind of table where as soon as you step out of the sliding door, there's a table and there's soda, there's alcohol right there, right? And my aunt would open the sliding door, puffing away, just puffing like there's no tomorrow. And I had that same aunt would be in the kitchen counter and she would um, look around to see who's catching her with the cigarettes, who's looking around with the cigarettes. I would catch her because she was not good at hiding her habit. And you could smell it on her. I mean, people with addictions, after a while, you know if someone's hooked on something. That's how bad the psychology of addiction is. And luckily that aunt, I don't know if she stopped smoking. It sucks to even admit that and to even have that be true. Um, but she does work out. She's lost weight. Um, she works out with my uncle and my cousin. I remember, um, and all these people I'm talking about self-identify as Christian and God believers, right? Um... I had to really talk about this because so many people have had my experiences. Not the only me in the world. It would be selfish for me to even say that and to even believe that. That's a middle finger to all the people in the world who've been through my exact same pain. So I don't want to flip off them. I, that, that, that'd be the same as flipping off me and I don't want to flip off me either. So then I remember um, this profanity clause that a lot of older black people have. For example, I would be around my own family. They would cuss weirdly. And what I'm about to say 
is not something I don't mean to offend black people. I don't mean to encourage any white person, any non-black person to say what I'm saying, but it just has to be said. Don't report me. I usually don't say this word on my show, but I need to say it so you can understand why I'm saying it. I heard one of my uncles say, what nigga goddamn shit? I'm I'm only saying it because I heard him say it. It's not like I want to just freely say the N-word. When you're around black people, older, you may hear that word. It's not like you want to, but I just had to keep it real. They cuss wordly. That's what I was trying to convey. So they would go... And this is the this is the last time you hear me say this word in this episode. Nigga house, nigga car, nigga street, nigga drive, that kind of thing. The way they would cuss, the way they would talk, you know, you know, this this, you know, punk bitch motherfucker or the god motherfucker goddamn it, da, 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 cuss weirdly. The way they would talk, um, this motherfucking shit. This my this my fucking ass, bitch ass, my nigga ass, my, my, my yeah. They would cuss weirdly. I I remember hearing an uncle say, "Shit one, shit two, cuss weirdly, cussing weirdly," and they had this um. They had this thing where if my younger cousins tried to talk like them, they would get chastised. But none of the adults chastised each other for cursing. I never understood that. And these are all people that are supposed to be Christian. How the hell is that Christian? (laughs) I don't know. I I don't I can't even provide an answer to that. Um And I noticed that even that hap that happened in my family. I saw that happen in other black Christian families. I would see them get together. Um They would get together. Some of them smoked. A lot of them had my aunt's habit. Marlboro, Salem's. um, Drinking Heineken's. Samuel Adams. I remember that. Some of those alcohol brands were at my aunt's house. That one in particular with smoking habit. But I would be at black Christian functions and I couldn't help but see that stuff. Especially black people in their 40s when I was a kid. Black people um, in their 50s and going up 52, they would drink um, irresponsibly because the way they would be discombobulated. The way they would talk, I'm like, you tore up from the floor up. Your ass is busted. Your ass disgusted. (laughs) That's what I would think as a child. I'm like, damn. You are shit-faced drunk. Damn, the way you you smoke, like, goddamn. Are you trying to have your doctor say you got lung cancer? Like, why? These are Christian people, self-identified Christian. And the whole, well, we the kitty table. The kitty table is bullshit. Here's why the kitty table is bullshit. Let me explain. The kiddie table is used to push away kids so they can talk shit, gossip about 
bullshit. Talk about salacious sex scandalous stories and juicy sex stories. Um, I've heard them talk about how much they love Zane books. Yes, you do have Christians who have erotica in their houses. The Song of Solomon is the erotica of the Bible, the sex book of the Bible, and they have Zane books in their homes. I know. I saw. I was in their libraries because I like to read, and they had it right there in front of me when I would go into their bookshelves because they would let me just read books from their bookshelves. They would talk about who got killed and which kid got an ass whooping and they would glorify the kid getting ass whooped. Another thing was they would talk about the so-called feminization. They would talk about the so-called feminization of black men and the and their disdain of the gay agenda, turning our men out, even using the word faggot. Again, don't report me. I'm just telling you the truths of my life. Sometimes when you tell the truth, it has nothing to do with being um, evil or cruel. I'm just giving you the real because there's a lot of you that may have heard these stories or may have witnessed them personally yourself. So I can't always tell a comfortable truth. Most of the truths I tell you are unadulterated. So just understand, I always provide proper context for what I'm saying. I would never purposely say anything to be cruel or to be heartless. I, I don't clean up the truth because the truth is inherently uh, boat rocking. It's, it's earthquaking by nature, the truth. Um, they would talk, they would do, a lot of the black women, from my experience, they would do the neck rolling, um, the, they would point their index fingers up and wag them back and forth, left and right, side to side, neck roll, and, um, you know, the... I call it the quadrant snap. Snap to the north. Snap to the south. Snap to the west. Snap to the east. They would do that. And they would go, mm-hmm, girl, mm-hmm, I told you. Honey child, honey child, flap their hands. And then I noticed how... A lot of the conversations I overhear, because a lot of times they would be so loud that I couldn't help but to hear it. And it was weird whenever they were around me and I'm trying my best not to look. They encouraged me to join the conversation. And I remember saying to them, I'm not comfortable. Y'all keep saying grown folk business. You know, I, I, I hear you. I'm doing what you told me to do. Kids supposed to do as adults say. I get that. I'm not fighting that. I, I'm accepting that. Please let me go play with my, my you know, I got to play with the other kids. I mean, they would kind of change the tune of the conversation. Like, they wouldn't be so loud anymore. They would be a lot calmer. But they would still kind of engage in what they were talking about. But they would be... Um, less passionate and I would say but I'm not supposed to know this stuff why they were like well because you're a mature kid we're like we're not trying to have you grow up too fast but you know you are a mature kid and you know I don't want to treat I can't treat you like other kids here's my advice let a child be a child right you gotta let kids be kids even though they're mature kids they're still kids so yes 
you know, treat mature kids with respect. That whether mature or not, just treat kids with respect. But you still have to be age appropriate, regardless of the child's age. Always be age appropriate when it comes to subject matters, who's around, and what's around, environmentally, etc. Okay, I'm saying these things so people can learn from my life. I remember this when they would talk amongst themselves about atheists and and non-Christians. It tended to be very phobic, very hostile, very unwelcoming, um, very... Very judgmental. There was no mercy, no grace, no compassion for the people that were considered outsiders on the outskirts of faith. In quotations, as I heard them say. I'm saying all these things off the top of my head. I'm not writing anything. I'm not reading anything. I'm just talking from the top. I'm going to do more episodes like this. After my next one, I'll start doing episodes like this when I don't have guests, okay? This will be my new style from now on. I'll read some, um, write some, but mostly I'm going to go off the top of my head like rappers freestyle. I'm going to just straight bust it. I'm going to just bust it. That's what I way of just saying I'm just going to be in my zone. I'm just busted. Um, another time that I can recall was I got to know which of my cousins got whooped. My dad would say something or my mom or my aunts and uncles would mention it around me or actually tell me. Um, and I remember being at the DC Improv a few times before COVID-19 and just being in church and being just living in predominantly black communities. And I would hear there, I, I would hear statements like this. I don't understand how they can't, you know, some parents don't whoop their kids. All kids get their ass whooped. All kids should get toe up. All kids should get jacked up. All kids should get, you know, get roughed up. Tired of these little disrespectful bastards. Yeah, I've heard that shit before. I would sometimes hear these things in passing, you know, going shopping with my parents and he would overhear things. Other times I saw kids get whooped at the store, other black parents, especially the black woman, just egging it on, egging it on. And there, and every time I would say I saw these whoopings, it was traumatic. I shared this before, but let me give you the full scope. I got 32 more minutes. Bust it. I'm busting it. Okay. So, I remember... Walking by with my parents, and I saw a kid get whooped, crying, and all the black mamas and aunties and sisters egging on. I know, you know how I know that they were those things because later they talked to me. Short spoiler alert. Let me keep talking. And they would look at, they would actually turn around and look at me. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you looking at me? I'm not him. That's your nephew. Your son is getting whooped. That's your little brother getting whooped. Um, I got, I'm thinking to myself, I, I, I did nothing wrong. I'm an innocent bystander. I'm in the milk carton section of this grocery store. Why in the hell are you looking at me? I didn't say it. I was thinking it. 
So I remember as soon as I saw it, I hightailed it. And I have to be honest as a child, I thought to myself, okay, this is the part where I get my little black ass the fuck out of here. These sisters trying to whoop my ass. If I stand here, they going shit on me the way they shitting on that kid right now. I'm, my ass is the fuck out of here, right? So I would walk fast. I didn't run because growing up, I heard stories as a child of don't run in stores. You'll get whooped if you run in this store. You get whooped if you touch anything in this store. Don't look, don't touch nothing. Don't put your hands on nothing or you will get, I will yank you up in here. I will, um, I will get you on the spot. So I didn't touch anything in stores. What I would do was I would put my hands behind my back and lean. Like I would go to the front of an item, then go to the other aisle in the back to see what was in the back. I would do these things, but I wouldn't touch anything because there were black parents around and black adults around who thought like that. So I would put my hands behind my back and just scoop out the place. I would go, okay, I need to... I want to see what's behind because I would look at the calorie sections. I've always been fascinated and thoughtful of my health and, you know, minerals and carbohydrates. Um, chromium and calcium, that, that kind of thing, right? Actually, I did read my vitamin bottle while I said those things because I wanted to say more of what I saw on the back so you could fully understand. Now I'm going to go back to going off the top of my head. I, I saw these things. And these things constantly ate at my spirit. Um... What do I mean? I saw the whoopings I was talking about. So I remember just going to an aisle. My parents let me walk in the store because nothing bad happened to me. So my parents be in one aisle. And sometimes in stores, adults would talk to me by themselves, which looking back on it may not have been safe. You know, strength, you know, adults you don't know being alone with your kid may not have been a wise move. And I think that's true. Um... I remember, I remember these things, and um, it always hurt that I didn't feel safe with black women during those moments. So what happened was I would go from aisle to aisle trying to avoid these black women. I'm not phobic against black women. I just felt like I understood the anger of sisters and I didn't want them to direct that same anger towards me. So my plan at the time was just to walk fast and get away from them because I'm trying to desperately avoid a belt ass whooping. I am desperately trying to avoid getting spanked by them. And I'm desperately trying to avoid um, getting hit by them with their bare hands because by the way they struck the kid, I could tell these are heavy-handed women. They, They got them strong hands and so they would call out after me, hey, young man, you with the, um, they would say with shirt I was wearing, hey, come back here. Hey, we want to talk to you. Hey, hey, you know, it, you know, we just, we just want to, um, you know, get to know you. And eventually I had to stop because they wouldn't stop. Every time I was in the aisle, they would be in the aisle already. I couldn't go anywhere. I felt trapped. 
I would go to an aisle after a while. I would lose sight of them and then go back to doing what I was doing, totally not thinking about them. I was like, whew, I could breathe a sigh of relief. And I look at the front and the back of minerals and calcium. This is me off the top of my head again. I look up the art in my face and I said, and I'm looking at them in fear of, I'm like, and I, and I'm, I was so frustrated. I said, I'm not trying to get whooped by y'all. I'm trying to avoid that. Can you just let me look at these items in peace? I don't want to. I don't want to talk about what happened. I just want to have that be left alone. And these were black women who recently put their hands on their kid, and they were following me around the store. And I'm feeling uncomfortable. And they had tears in their eyes. They're like, we are so sorry for what we did and said. Um, Can I make it up to you? And then another one would chime in. First, that was the mom and the aunt says, you know, we we just, we want to apologize. And I'm shocked because... Black adults apologizing to a black kid? Adults apologizing to kids? I never heard that in old school stories. Old school stories sounded abusive. I heard of belts. I heard of switches. I heard of extension cords. I heard of pots and pans. I heard of knuckle games. I heard of being popped in the mouth and backhanded, slapped, yanked, grabbed by the collar. Those are the things I remember. And when I look back on it, all of those things are forms of child abuse and abusive. Um, and they would say things about white parents, I understand how. White, man, that, that, that's whitey shit not to whoop their kids. Only white folks don't whoop their kids. They let their kids run around the stores, yell, act a goddamn fool, doing all types of shit. I, I heard older black people make these statements. There was a statement made by Marlon Wayans. I remember it was September 14, 2019, two days before my 26th birthday. I was I was almost finished being 25 years old. We were at the, we were in Oxen Hill where he was performing, and I remember he talked about um, his lesbian daughter, and some of the black people actually applauded him. Many did not. Um, he made a joke about his son. He was like, "Man, you know, handling." My son being gay, I would just tell him, don't be... He jokingly said, Marlon Wayans is supportive of the LGBTQ community. So what I'm about to say, he was just poking fun at how society is in terms of the phobia, right? Just don't be a bitch-ass nigga. You know, fuck the shit out of that dude first. Again, I'm telling you the truth about my life. Usually I don't say the N-word on the podcast. Usually I don't. But because I'm talking about painful things, just understand again, that's, these are the contexts I'm telling about. This is real talk. Just, if I just said inward, that wouldn't have been true to what happened. And so, Marlon Wayans is a decent person. He was just using comedy to poke fun at homophobia. That's what comedians do. They poke fun 
at society's shittiness. That's all. Um, a lot of black, those same black people didn't clap. They laughed, which was intriguing. My parents looked at me kind of funny because I clapped in a, when it came to supporting Marlon Wayans' lesbian daughter when he talked about, hey, yes, my daughter's gay, but I love her. He said something along those lines and paraphrased, and I just clapped in my um, parents, black evangelical parents looked at me funny. I remember that. Um, I still clapped anyway because I said, but I said to myself, but he's not saying anything harmful. It's weird. My parents will kind of slightly laugh at gay jokes, but most part, they get serious, which I find interesting because they'll laugh at fornication jokes, weed jokes, drunk jokes, druggy, being high type jokes. If you're that sensitive, then why the hell are you at the comedy club is just what I'm thinking. Anyway, um, but Mar- what did Marlon Wayne said that made me bring him up? He made a point that a lot of black people don't want to admit. He said he was talking about his dad. His dad was a whooping style of disciplining children, particularly his children. And how one of his kids was trying to get into a fight with his dad. And apparently the kid won. Um, by roughing up his pops. And Marlon Wayne said that he doesn't whoop his kids. He doesn't spank his kids because he thinks whoopings and spankings are the result of slavery. <laughs> I actually applauded him when he said that. A lot of people looked at me funny. I, I, don't, I don't give a fuck. Didn't give a fuck then. Don't give a fuck now. And I remember feeling thankful for what he said. Um, I remember talking to Shanina, who's been on the show before. And she, too, said that whooping and spanking is the result of slavery. And I, because I, she comes from Marlon Wayne's generation. Marlon Wayne's was born in 1972. So she's not that far from that year. Maybe born that same year, I don't ask. Because, you know, women in birth years, it's best not to. But anyway... I thought of that and I agree with that. I remember being at the DC Improv and you, you hear black people whenever whoopings were talked about. I remember Cheryl Underwood. It was a, it may have been a joke, it may not have been, I don't know. She was talking about how women's bankings helped the Jackson five be successful in a sense because you know it got them out of the it got them out of Gary, Indiana. I disagree with her. I disagree with my sister lovingly. Um, that may have been a joke, but sometimes you don't always know what people mean. Because even in a comedy club, comedians do say serious things. Sometimes you know when to laugh. Sometimes you go, oh, they were being serious. I shouldn't laugh. Or, well, they said something serious, but they were joking about it. Do I laugh? Do I not? Hmm. Sometimes that's tough to tell. Let me keep talking. And so I thought about um, the adult, the black adults at DC Improv making comments about, yep, whoop them kids. That's right. That's what's going to help them keep them grades up. That's going to help them do well in school, do well in life. You got, you know... Put that wood on them. Wood means belt. Um, 
to finish the story of the grocery store, you have the third one. I think she was a black, um, may have been an older black cousin. And that person would look at me and say, um, can I get, can we all give you a hug? And at first I would go, you, not, you promise you're not going to whoop me, are you? You promise you're not going to lay your hands or cuss or scream at me, are you? They said, we promise. So I gave them a hug and they lived up to what they said. And they said to me, um, can all three of us be your mom? I'm like, said to myself, But you just whooped a kid. If I say you're my mom, then my cheeks will be red just like the little kid I saw. I thought it, but they said, we won't whoop you, we won't spank you. We'll, you know, we promise we won't do that. And they didn't. And that same exact incident happened every time I was at a grocery store. The hood or outside of the hood. And in these black... After that was the only time I ever ran away from an adult <laughs> that I could remember at the time. I don't mean to laugh. I'm I'm not laughing. I was just when I was breathing like that, that was an astonishment, so forgive me. Another time I remember was When that same thing happened again, but this time, for the rest of the time when I was a child, whenever I saw whoopings at a store, or they would immediately stop whooping the kid, apologize me from the other adults, and then come up to me and make it up to me. And the other adults who saw it would also come up to me and make it up to me too. Hugging, you're my child, we won't whoop you, we won't spank you, we won't cuss at you, we won't yell at you. We love you. Get to know you. As soon as I saw you, I wanted you to be my child. That that kind of thing. That's how the story ends. Plus, I was able to... I didn't talk about these things with my parents because they saw me with adults all the time. So they thought, okay, he's he's fine. Nothing's going to happen to him. I, that may be irresponsible when I think about my childhood now and just everything that happened. Um... And I'll see it at a DC improv, some of the older black adults will go, yep, not whooping kids. That's that, that's that white man. That's that white man. I heard that. Um, it was, uh, wow. I'm almost done sharing this part of my story that's helping me heal. You know what was weird? You know, the reason why I have trouble with Christianity today is most self-identified Christians do not have a mature Christian's heart. Most self-identified Christians don't have a Christian's heart. Most self-identified Christians don't have Jesus' heart. Most self-identified Christians don't have God's heart. Most self-identified Christians don't have the Holy Spirit's heart. Most self-identified Christians don't have the Bible's heart. And most self-identified Christians don't have the heart of exegesis. Um, Most self-identified Christians don't have the, the... true church's heart. Most self-identified Christians don't have the church's heart. Most self-identified Christians don't have the heart of eisegesis. Um, When I say the heart of eisegesis, meaning that they don't have 
honesty regarding their own presuppositions, their own agendas, or their own biases. And they're not honest about the imposing their phobic interpretations of the scripture, scriptural text. So that's what I mean when I say the, you know, they don't have a genuine heart towards eisegesis. And exegesis for me means is that it's a critical explanation or interpretation of a text. They tend to have harsh human rights violating critical explanations and interpretations of biblical texts. That's what I mean when I say they don't have a genuine heart towards exegesis. Um, Most self-identified Christians don't have an angel's heart. Most self-identified Christians don't have an archangel's heart. Most self-identified Christians don't have um, heaven's heart. And that's what I've noticed. Most of the preachers are milk, not meat. Most of the singers in the choir loft are milk and not meat. Most of the pastors are milk, not meat. Most of the congregation are milk, not meat. Most of the parishioners are milk, not meat. Most of the members are milk, not meat. Most of the visitors are milk and not meat. Most of the guests are milk and not meat. Most of the regular attendees and attendees are both milk, not meat. Most of the church leadership are milk and not meat. Most of the ministry um, leaders are milk, not meat. And... Most people who are staffers and volunteers and interns within ministries and churches are milk, not meat. Most of the reverends, most of the ministers, and most of the reverend doctors, and most of the church officials who have ecclesiastical titles and styles are milk and not meat. Christian television today is milk, not meat. Christian radio today is milk, not meat. Christian music today is milk, not meat. Um, today's preaching is milk, not meat. You want to know why that is? And I'll I'll explain this further so you won't feel like I'm necessarily repeating myself. There could be sympathizers of abusers and protectors of abusers in the choir lofts, in the pews. At the altars, in the sanctuary, in the church offices, in the ministry areas, in the pulpits. And to make it worse, there are abusers in the choir lofts, the pulpits, the pews, the sanctuaries, the altar, the church offices, and the ministry areas. It is possible to have parishioners who are abusers, members who are abusers, visitors who are abusers, guests who are abusers, church heads who are abusers, those doing ministries being abusers, choir loft singers being abusers, pulpiteers being abusers, um, pastoral abusers. Staff, church staffer abusers, church intern abusers, church volunteer abusers. 
tequila abusers, sanctuary abusers, altar abusers. And if the and if all these truths are revealed, it means that the church buildings are crumbling down because of foreclosure, because the milk people take out their anger on the pulpit by talking about rape and domestic violence and intimate partner violence and child abuse and adult abuse. And, you know, try to take away their love offerings, trying to take away their tithes and trying to take away their cars and houses and their lifestyles that they're accustomed to and making other churches cut ties with them and not want to have any more dealings with them, trying to take away all their financial contributions that they receive and that they give. But all of that is worth it Because that means meat people will be the predominant audience. And and the milk won't be the predominant audience anymore in churches. I don't understand churches that don't do commerce, especially black ones. You can be holy with commerce. Just understand that tithing is about the least of these. Remember Jesus and the widow with two very small copper coins given all she had to live on and people in the church giving um, giving all their wealth except her and Jesus praised her to the disciples. We don't know what tithing means. We think tithing is just keep the pastor house fed make sure his bank account stays fat or her bank account stays fat. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of black churches are not built by white people. Um, I just found that out last night by hearing a black minister on Clubhouse talk. Um, and a lot of people feel like the black church is silent. The black church is not engaged in social justice. And they start spearheaded the movements back then, but you don't hear a peep out of them now. I'm just telling you what I heard on Clubhouse. A lot of churches get favoritism when it comes to contracts because, oh, they're a religious institution. They're tax-exempt. So we got to do for them. But in terms of black economics, black entrepreneurship, and black ownership, black home ownership, a lot of people feel like black church is not really active in those things as much as they should. In a lot of cases, not at all. And you know, the in-housing of abuse I'll share that in another episode that I'll do in the future. I'll also be doing some episodes spotlighting um, more of how people are impacted by religion, too. Some some of it may be rough, but I got to talk about it. But I just wanted to share these things because sharing all this has freed me. And old school can be corrupted when they say, well, you know... Big mom, everybody can whoop a kid in the neighborhood, the adults. What if you created a culture of child abuse without knowing that's what you did? What if you created a culture of rape without knowing that's what you did? And the vilifying of the survivors of R. Kelly explains perfectly exactly what happens to black women in our world. I make my show black women friendly and women friendly in general because women are to be believed, to be trusted, to be cherished, to be honored. Just having them seen and heard is not enough. So... I'm here to explain that I reject old school, especially when talked about back in my day and y'all day. Y'all music sucks. I mean, it's a great talk. I love Baddest y'all, y'all Don't. And back in my day, TV went off and Ray Charles the Blind Man would sing. 
And then back in my day, we we didn't we had antennas. You had the remotes, and we the kids with the remote, and they would go to the bottom, you know, the back of the TV, and make sure the antennas worked so the cable worked, so the TV worked. And I say, fuck generational warfare. It's time for generational mutual welfare. <laughs>